0: You're listening to The Jazz Session with Jason Crane since 2007, the original jazz interview podcast. Lesson 1. Basic Hip
1: welcome to the jazz session i'm jason crane this is episode 519 for april 29th 2020 on today's show guitarist eric hofbauer you know the drill by now this show exists because listeners like you become members please become a member today for five or ten bucks a month at the jazz session dot com slash join thanks eric hofbauer's new album is called book of fire
2: It is true that the nature of society has to be to create among its citizens an illusion of safety.
1: Hoffbauer, welcome back to the Jazz Session. Thanks
0: so much, Jason, for having me.
1: It's great to have you here. We're here to talk about, uh, well, a number of things, but most recently, a Book of Fire, which came out a couple months ago, a few months ago now, I guess, and is the follow-up to Book of Water, which came out last year, and the precursor to three more elemental records to come, assuming you know the world doesn't end. And so <laughs> um, maybe a place to start just to kind of set the table for the whole conversation is, can you talk about this project from like the 30,000 foot view. What is it that you are trying to capture uh, through these elemental albums, each of which focuses not only on a different element, but on a different concept inside the
0: album? This concept, it's uh five, five specific elements that I was inspired by the uh, Chinese philosophical construct of Wuxing. Uh, and there are five elements or five agents, uh water, fire, wood, metal, and earth. And each one has a different set of, set of parameters that help guide everything from Taoism and other types of Chinese philosophy to acupuncture and design and visual art and music. And so they have in more traditional Chinese music constructs, you know, scales, um, most of them just variations or modes of pentatonics that are all connected to all this. And I didn't do a deep dive into all that stuff, although I got my hands on as much uh published material in English as I could on uh on Lu Sheng. Um but what was fascinating about those five elemental states was kind of the, the, the narrative and the connection that seemed to cut across cultures and history. And I felt like those those states were also fittingly diverse areas to explore improvisation and then as I was really formulating these kind of these five states these five places I really wanted to take it into basically as many different kind of diverse musical combinations that that I could synthesize in part just as a reflection of my own curiosities and interests and studies and different avenues of musical exploration and as a way to push myself and kind of go into these new directions, you know, as, as you know, from talking on this show and and others, you know, I've done a bunch of solo guitar stuff and then I did some more improvised interpretations of classical pieces with prehistoric jazz. And so this is kind of like the next step beyond that type of stuff, even getting more broader cross genre, post genre, whatever you want to do with it. And each one kind of becomes its own, book if you will of a musical book and a narrative that is connected peripherally to some of those modes i actually do use uh the appropriate like water and fire modes of various pentatonics across the compositions but i'm certainly not limited to those but they were the jumping off point point. and then as each project develops they get into you know more specifics and are connected to also more contemporary themes and social justice issues.
1: On that latter point, you so far have dealt with some pretty light subject matter: the climate crisis in the first yeah. volume, and uh, yeah. the long history of racism in the second volume. So you're, yeah. you know, starting so, out with the things easy things ones. That,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Just for things that we could, should be able to wrap up pretty quickly. <laughs> That's yeah. right, especially
1: especially through <laughs> the medium of instrumental music, which is yeah. <laughs> the way most
0: of these crises <laughs> are solved. I think exactly, and so I think on both in both. <laughs> In both line and notes, you know, I, I'm trying not to. These are kind of meditations on those things, and they're not. Uh, there may be, for example, when Book of Water came out, I wasn't trying to be like you know preachy about climate change, but I chose a couple of venues around Boston that could be in the next you know couple of decades impacted by rising water and climate change issues, and so they were kind of just. I wanted the music to become a, a point of departure for for conversation uh, or even just reflection. So I'm not trying to necessarily change anybody's mind and I'm not trying to be like that preachy artist who's saying I'm safe in the world. Definitely. I know I can't do that, but I am, you know, a thinking, feeling, breathing human that is concerned um, about the state of humanity and the planet. And so this is just a way for me to put some of my thoughts and concerns into this abstract space, like you said, of instrumental music, and hopefully open up some kind of dialogue, whatever that may be, whether it's something concrete or something uh, more, you know, just self-reflective for the person listening to the music, or even if they just like the music and they don't even connect the dots, that's fine. But I just, just for me, I just, as an artist felt like it was uh, important that the music serve a bigger place, both just for my own soul and just also to to share with anybody who's who's also concerned about those things.
1: Well, any regular listener of this show will uh, know that I'm a huge supporter of people using their powers for good. So I, I applaud yeah. both those efforts. You know, one thing yeah. that I really dug about the Book of Water, I think this is probably my own shortcoming in terms of knowledge. But when I think of music inspired by water, most of the things that come to my mind tend to be I guess maybe, you know, kind of calm or expansive and a lot of book of water. And obviously book of fire is the more recent one and we will get to that, but I want to kind of go through the order here, but a lot of book of water is really like strong and frenetic in it. As I was listening to it, uh, back when it came out, I was thinking, you know, this is a lot of what water actually is like, like we, we tend to think of water often as like, (laughs) let's go stand on the beach and just look out at the beautiful waves. But the way, for example, that the climate crisis is reframing our view of water is like as the thing that is overwhelming low-lying places,
0: for example.
1: And that's a very different picture of water as an element.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's exactly where I was coming from, that there's this thing that can be so beautiful and kind of romanticized across the... A great history of visual art and um, and poetry and, and literature, but also in current times, it is going to be this beautiful thing that will attempt to destroy civilization as we know it, and we need to respect that power.
1: And then as we move, as I mentioned, that was a sextet record. As we move to uh, Book of Fire, it's it's a duo record except that because each of you are playing multiple things uh it's a duo record that doesn't just sound like two people playing but will you talk about your partner on this album
0: tony leva is a bass player that i've been playing with in several other projects around boston for last several years five five years or so five or six years and I also knew and just from you know hanging out and talking at at gigs and performances and the like and rehearsals I also knew that he had this you know great affinity to uh, mid and late 90s hip hop because we kind of grew up in that same era and uh, like the same artist Jay Dilla and Tribe Called Quest and Common and the list goes on so there was you know we kind of made that connection I always talked about how you know I'd love to collaborate in some way with Turntables and you know and improvise over that. And he's like, well, I you know dabbled in turntables, and I was like, well, stop dabbling and start practicing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm going to get myself an MPC 1000, go old school, and make some beats. And uh, I have this idea. So the record comes came out. I'm, I'm going to think backwards here. The record came out in uh, this year, just a couple months ago, like you said. We did the recording. Just about a year, less than a year ago, around this, around this time, March of late March of 19, and I think we spent all of 18 mostly apart, but continually, continuously talking about this stuff and checking in on each other's progression on learning how to manipulate our new electronic component versions of ourselves with uh, Tony on turntables and myself on sampler gun machine and stuff. And so, you know, when we started really collaborating and working on the arrangements, I was uh, thoroughly blown away with the creativity and the kind of the level and and care and practice of Tony's turntable skills. You know, he is a, a an amazing bass player and very thoughtful and very lyrical and very groove oriented. He brought that same type of Sensibility, that great type of uh, listening, nuance, interactivity that he brings as a bass improviser to uh, to his turntable, and so we just you know dove in and you know like you said it's a duo, but it's really a quartet uh, of sorts. So it's a full band, and it's, but it's just the two of us manipulating everything. So he's he's a perfect partner for me, because he was completely willing to any crazy idea I said, or you know I buy him an album and say do something with this, chop this up, see what you can do, I, I want I want this sound on this piece you know he would just go and experiment and do it and i just loved his willingness of it i think his his willingness and his deep spirit of being an improviser and bringing that to those instruments because i said from the top you know i never this was not supposed to be like a hip-hop album it's just using the instruments of that genre but as jazz improvisers and he got that and really brought that uh to to his work
1: the jazz session is the first and oldest jazz interview podcast for 13 years and more than 500 episodes i've been helping musicians tell their stories if you value that mission please become a member for five or ten dollars a month at the join you'll get bonus episodes early access to every show and more that's the join join today thanks now
2: back to the episode and was going beyond it It's a fantastic kind of understatement in it. It's the way I want to write, you know. When she says, my house fell down, and I can't live there no more. It's a great, it's a great sentence. It's a great, it's a great achievement. (laughs) That winter in Switzerland, I was working on my first novel, which I thought I'd never be able to finish. And I finally realized in Europe that one of the reasons that I couldn't finish this novel was because I was ashamed of where I'd come from and where I'd been, and ashamed of the life in the church, and ashamed of my father, ashamed of the blues, and ashamed of jazz, and of course, ashamed of watermelon, because it was, you know, all of these stereotypes that uh, the country inflicts on Negroes, whether we all eat watermelon, or we all do nothing but sing the blues and all that. Well, I was afraid of all that, and I ran from it.
1: In yeah, this day I'm and age, do I do think the there are a, a lot more people who I'm listen too. to this show you who like are like also hip hop like heads like or also really pop music fans know. than maybe even when the, the show know. started. But I will just mention that for folks who might not be, the uh, MPC one thousand is on every record of, of a certain era. Like that was <laughs> that was the thing. If you just Google MPC one thousand, and I'm, I haven't done this, but I'm guessing if you like read the Wikipedia entry and see which albums it was used on, you'll find that the answer to that question is every. It was used yeah, on every yeah. album for yeah, a good right. stretch of time. Uh, now, you yeah. did a really cool thing, though, um, because one thing that I was very curious about when I had was just listening to the record and hadn't read any of the accompanying materials yet, and I was hearing the drum parts, and I was pretty sure it was a duo record. But then I thought, well, maybe it's just like those two guys are the guys whose names are on it because these drum <laughs> parts are – really great and they're clear I mean if you know they're clearly something else going on besides uh, just the use of a drum machine and then when I finally did read the materials you had a very creative way to approach getting drum parts on this record will you talk about
0: that yeah because you know I didn't want to make necessarily use uh, the the machine as a as a drum machine but as some kind of like super beat creator ultimate drummer uh, and so what I did was I recorded, just with my own gear, so kind of my own field recordings, if you will, three of my favorite drummers that I work around Boston quite frequently, and I've recorded several albums with all of them. One is uh, Kurt Newton, uh, the other one Dylan Jack, and the other one Austin McMahon. So I had them over to my house where so I went to their place, and we just kind of went down a list of individual sounds, play the cymbal, play the gonna do this, do this. Um, and then had them play like different beats and things like that too. And so I built this gigantic library of, of drum sounds of my favorite drummers that I've worked with in the last five, 10 years. And then I was able to kind of chop up the beats and turn things, manipulate this, all these sounds into the drum, drum patterns and grooves and different sections and really compose, uh, with their beat sounds. So I create, I took three drummers and made one alternate palette of all my favorite drum sounds and drum beats that they play.
1: And there's yet another contributor to this album whose presence is just, you know, suffused throughout the record and without whom I think it would be a different experience. And that's uh, the writer James Baldwin, who has been having a real resurgence in the last maybe even five years, I think, certainly helped to some degree by social media, because he he did so well in the times that he was recorded either on television or radio at putting things succinctly and powerfully that he's e- kind of easy to share on social media. And so he appears throughout this record as well. Will you talk about why you chose James Baldwin?
0: Thinking of this whole like book theme, and there is a component of of of, of a there's a literary component rather that goes with this, right? You so you have the um, the the Emerson poem Water that goes with Book of Water. And with Book of Fire, it was just so easy because for a long time, James Baldwin has been, you know, if not my favorite, uh, American writer, uh, one of my top small handful of two or three, uh, writers period, both in fiction and nonfiction. And yeah, I agree with you. He's had, he has, uh, had a little bit of, uh, of a renaissance thanks to social media and his, and the ability of his, uh, statements to be kind of chopped up into these beautiful, poignant, uh, sound bites. So it was, it, for me, it was a logical you know leap with um you know of course, with his seminal piece the fire next time it was just a you know very uh kind of a logical connection book of fire to you know his to including James Baldwin. I wanted him to be the narrator in a way just because in addressing issues of race and class and disparity and inequality and the idea of what it means to be uh, human and what it means to understand freedom and, and love and forgiveness and hope. He is so eloquent at summing all those things up. So I really wanted him to be the narrator of this particular story, of this particular book, if you will, this chapter. And so I scoured my my own collection and online, and there was records and texts and everything I could find to to gather up enough spoken word of James Baldwin that could fit within the kind of story I wanted to tell, uh and chopped up his phrases and speeches into a into a different type of narrative that worked with the music. David. Yeah, Overtly denies your constitution right over and over and over. Let him know he's a fascist and a racist and a pig. Over and over. Let him know he's a fascist and a racist and a pig. That's all he can be. That's what a Ku Klux Klan is. That's what a German Gestapo uh, fascist was. Uh, thing that's going on here in
1: america to my ear at least i think it also gives the album a kind of groundedness both because the recordings of his voice themselves and his speaking cadence have a bit of a From the past, quality to them. I mean, what he says, and somewhat sadly, is as relevant as if it were recorded this afternoon. But his the way he says it and the sound of the recordings, to me, it it's interesting because there's there's so much you know kind of modern playing going on, and I'm not sure I'm using the word modern correctly in that, but (laughs) current current feeling in the playing and a a sense of how music it can be now. And then at the same time, riding over it is this like these snatched moments out of history. and I, I really love the juxtaposition of of those things and just the musicality of his voice and the way that you guys use the samples of his voice so creatively. It's the album, I think you know, it could exist without James Baldwin, but it is a different record and I think a maybe a deeper record because of his presence.
0: Yeah, thank you. I will uh, tend to agree with that statement. I I think it's very insightful. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I agree. With, yeah, I absolutely agree with you uh, wholeheartedly. I have to admit, you know, we didn't know. I mean, I had this idea. I was like, we're going to, James Baldwin's going to tell stories and we're going to play some, and I have these compositions and somehow it's going to work. And Tony was like, okay, let's see, let's see what happens. And y you're so right about like his cadence and spacing. Like there are moments in, for example, one's coming to mind right off the top of my head and terrible and beautiful. The first time he comes in and he has a rather long uh, lengthy quote. And there's, you know, this bass ostinato and this melody that I'm playing and these certain like drum hits. And, you know, you could think if you wanted to overanalyze, he's like, wow, they really chopped up his phrasing to make sure that he spoke and then almost as like a type of punctuation, the cymbal would hit or the bass would hit or there'd be a guitar chord. Like that's really cool. I didn't actually do any of that. Like I had his sample on one of the, you know, buttons on the pad of the, of the MPC 1000. I chose a moment and I hit play, you know, and the way that he speaks with this kind of like speeding up, slowing down pause, speeding up, slowing down pause has its own sense of rhythm and, and phrasing. It's just, serendipitously fit perfectly uh, with the groove on that, on that sample. Um, Likewise, you know, your comment about like the juxtaposition of the playing like on versus what he's saying, like the the pray for rain, when he's talking about Bessie Smith and his whole writing process and everything, which is definitely of a certain time um, that he's talking about. But then you have this really, you know, abstracted kind of melody going on all these other different grooves that are clearly more current it does make the, the juxtaposition again we didn't know it would work out that way but there is something that makes i think both the, draws the ear both to the story that he's telling but also to the context that the story is being told in the sonic context um and how they how the contrast ends up being more complementary than one would expect
1: And I feel like this album is also giving me a different side of you than I've heard before. I mean, I think at this point I've heard most, if not all of your recorded output. And for example, I don't remember hearing guitar effects before, and there are some on this record.
0: Correct. I... Okay. Yeah. Tell me about that decision. Yeah. It's a big moment. Take Yeah. Take note. <laughs> <laughs> January 31st, 2020, uh, the album that Eric Hoffauer plays with some effects, it, you know, it's a big part of like my whole, Sound world, and it was this dedication to the the nuance and the intimacy of the acoustic guitar, especially since my early career, the bulk of my early albums were solo guitar albums, um, where I didn't even plug in, you know, create and recorded those without even an amplifier. So here we kind of go into this opposite direction, but um, f- still focusing on the on the acoustic sound, but but definitely I felt like because of some of the because where I was pulling from in terms of some of the tools and techniques and the sound palette of, uh, of the hip-hop world and you know a little bit of rock world a little bit of jazz rock fusion or whatever that it was it was finally time my time had arrived to, to dabble a little bit um, with that type of coloring outside the lines for me with with pedals and sounds and obviously I don't overdo it I really only have two pedals um, one that's one that's uh, delay, uh, and one that's kind of like this distortion overdrive kind of chaos pedal that I still really don't know how to use because none of the literally none of the knobs are labeled. It's like one of these. <laughs> I went for like something really bo- boutiquey and strange, and it was like, and the instructions literally were, "We've got." all these old transistors that we bought from the Czech Republic we don't know what they do so we just put them in and left the knobs flag and have fun like that was just the, the, the gist of like the instruction
1: that is fabulous <laughs> yeah that is so my that, kind of company and, right there
0: <laughs> yeah right so um and so I just wanted to have that type of um you know unknown quantity that kind of chaos factor in some of the the the, the, the palette um beyond my acoustic guitar so even when all that so i know you know for example that kind of distortion sound uh, chaos sounds coming from that from the chapter something gives but at the same time like the, the acoustic sound of my guitar is still mixed so i have a volume pedal some, you know, half going through a, a microphone so you get the acoustic sound and then half of it is being blended with my amp that's going through that pedal and then I'm tweaking the knobs as I play um, so you get all that kind of overdrive and feedback and crazy stuff happening where I manipulate the, the overdriven sound to kind of interact with uh, the turntable solo and everything so it they turned out to be a type of kind of I wanted to use those pedals not just for uh, an effect, but I wanted to improvise with those pedals um, by manipulating them as I was playing in real time uh, to change the delay, you know, tail, and to make it kind of frag out and do kind of weird sounds, the same with their, kind of that chaos overdrive pedal. So, it's, so I wasn't using them, I don't think, in like the same way that you would necessarily use them in my on a pop or rock album, reason even on like a traditional kind of more... Pedal-driven modern guitar type of album. I, I wanted to use those tools like I was using the guitar, and just kind of improvise with them and say, I don't, I don't know these very well. I, I, they're not gonna, they are not my sound. They're just augmenting my sound. They're just another component, almost like another instrument added to the band. So let me just have fun with them and see how far I can push them from uh, from that perspective.
1: I assume book of metal will be all like Judas Priest covers or something.
0: Exactly. Like but yeah, you just you're on it.
1: <laughs> I'm not exactly sure which social cause that speaks to, but I'm sure something can be figured out between now and then. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: so, yeah, um, I got to get I got to get more pedals.
1: Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, the next the next album cover will just be like you with, uh, you know, like Moroccan rug that is just completely covered side to side with petals, and you holding the acoustic guitar. And I'm here for it. I just want you to know, I'm,
0: I'm ready for this new direction.
1: (laughs) Awesome. So, um, (laughs) You know, we don't have Tony here to speak for himself, but I do want to bring him up again just to say that we've talked yeah. about him kind of as a turntable and a little bit as a basis, but I want to come back to his playing as a basis because by God, he is just, I don't know what else to say, but other than he's so musical, he's so melodic. I mean, he is just, he's so right on top of everything that's happening in every piece. He just sounds amazing all the time. He's got a beautiful tone and I just feel like there are just moments where, man, he just, he just lifts you know, just right out of the sound space into some other place with his playing, and I I wanted to make sure that uh, we gave him his due as a as a basis too because he's really fabulous on this record.
0: Yes, yeah, I agree, and that and, and that needs to be um you know even amongst you know our peers you know their remarks are like oh Tony I didn't even know you played turntables it, that's real, that's some really cool stuff you're doing it. but it it sh- it really shouldn't over overshadow uh, the bass playing at all because it does it It is so well integrated, and it does take like what what I wrote for him and what and how he kind of arranged it and made work on the bass is is demanding you know melodic stuff uh and but he's he's a listener first, and he's so sensitive and able to like like you said list that he's not just you know relegated to keeping the time or playing the groove like he, he takes on like significant. Uh, Melodic and structural and compositional kind of architectural roles in these pieces. That you know everything. uh, There's times where like everything revolves around his sound and his and the technique and how he's producing and how he's interacting. And uh, it really he really is a uh, a brilliant player and certainly you know little a little less little less known than other bass players in town. But I hope uh, a record like this definitely changes that because he is certainly a bass player and a musician that uh, that deserves some some wider recognition so thank you for for highlighting his playing
1: yeah my pleasure Take a quick break to thank the folks who make the jazz session possible, starting with the members who support it and also the Respect Sextet at RespectSextet.com for the theme music and Dave Rabel for the logo. Chuck Ingersoll is the voice of the intro. You can hire him to do your voiceover work at HearChuckNow.com. Follow the jazz session on Twitter at JazzSesh, J A Z Z S E S H, or on Instagram at The Jazz Session. If you have a sec, please rate and review The Jazz Session on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen or tell a friend about it or retweet or whatever you can do to help spread the word. That greatly improves my ability to reach new listeners. If you'd like to keep up to date on my podcast, poetry, and more, subscribe to my twice monthly newsletter. Go to thejazzsession.com and click on the newsletter link. Now back to the episode. I can assume just, you know, because all musicians, this seems to be fairly true that you are already at work on what's to follow in this series. Is that uh, a good guess?
0: That is a good guess. And the next one that I had on tap is Book of Wood. Um, So I think it's going to round out wood and then metal. So you have to wait for that (laughs) album cover. Right. shoot. (laughs) Uh, And then end and then end with Earth because the in, in in like the traditional kind of whooshing setup it's the the four on the outside and Earth is in the middle so I kind of want to do the outside ring so and kind of moved from like the water fire to um, to wood to metal and then in the middle Earth is kind of interconnected with all of them so I want to end with that one so wood is happening now which is, seems to be appropriate. For in the pandemic because it focuses more on kind of solo guitar stuff i'm gonna make this one more intimate the first two albums had a definitely had a lot of noise with the sextet on water and then of course the duo which is really a world of sound with all the different electronics and everything with with fire wood is going to be either some solo things or some uh, duo things with different wooden instruments and i haven't i've i'm in the stage of like brainstorming sketching kind of gathering ideas i have a you know a phone full of either sung or played uh little bits and pieces of melodies or chord progressions or bass lines or little some things that i've kind of collected here on my phone and um uh, and then a sketchpad full of little bits so of sketches and maps and ideas and so it's in that early, early kind of phase, but that's ultimately what's coming next. I haven't put all the pieces together, but it's on track.
1: Finally, Eric, because we're recording this during the pandemic, it just through coincidence, the show has kind of jumped around geographically the last several weeks. Uh the episode previous to this was someone in new york the one before that was in melbourne australia the one after this will be in ann arbor michigan and then you're uh in boston and i'm so i'm just wondering what has life been like for you during all of this
0: it's been fine i am now the uh, chair of the jazz and contemporary music department at the longy school of music which is a conservatory it's mostly for graduate students in in cambridge Right when we started our spring break, this is is when everything COVID came down and the things started closing, closing, closing. So we just didn't reopen everything transitioned to online learning when we came back from spring break. And that was, that was challenging to say the least. I think, you know, everybody is struggling in their, in their various ways, but, um, this is finals week there and uh, everybody's done some really creative, uh, projects and found some solutions to, um you know completing their coursework and writing their compositions and recording pieces and you know we can't obviously have final concerts for these ensemble or collaborative performance classes but they found a way to you know send tracks back and forth to one another to one another and do all this recording so it's been really busy like you know I look at uh, um Occasionally, I don't have much time and it rarely, but you know if I'm on social media or you you know in the newspaper, there's always these articles like ten you know ten new hobbies you can pick up while you're in lockdown or whatever I'm like i I do not live in that world I have not taken up you know a new, i new I've taken an online cooking class I wish I could take a yoga class I feel super out of shape um because I'm like either. You know, in front of my computer screen doing live, you know, Zoom lectures or lessons or doing, you know, creating slide presentations and embedding lectures so I can send to classes or I'm taking care of my one year old daughter. And it was like, those are the two, only two things uh, that's going on. So it's like the the quarantine has been extremely busy. Um, And believe it or not, like the, I guess it's been, we're about to enter our sixth week. So it's kind of been -hmm. flying by. And then every once, and then once a week you go, yeah, I have to go out and, you know, either my wife or I will go out and, you know, we go to the supermarket and, be, and we're like, oh yeah, there's this whole thing going on. Exactly. <laughs> uh, then we've got to, yeah, got to get in our masks and gloves and like be totally cautious and careful and be, you know, and do all this stuff because we can get just lost in being stuck at home. <laughs> so, I mean, we're safe, everything's good, we're healthy. Of course, we know some people who have been sick, have gotten better, everybody I think knows. know, somebody's been affected by this uh, in some way or another. But for the the most part, you know, Boston was very organized and and shut everything down super early. So now we're all just kind of waiting to see what happens next and see if we have to extend it another four weeks. That's the latest thing that the governor was passing around and the mayor of Boston was passing around that we might extend this another four or five weeks before we even start doing the kind of limited reopening. So it's going to be a little bit.
1: Although now we know we can cure it by drinking bleach, so I think we're fine, right? Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, drinking bleach. I was, I was gonna go the like the Lysol injection route. (laughs) Nice. I do. I do like being really direct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No,
1: that's good. That's. I mean, obviously, as a guitarist, you have more medical experience than I do. So, I yeah, Yeah, I I fully support that. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet Lord. My guest is Eric Hoffbauer. Uh, his most recent recording is called Book of Fire, which is the follow-up to Book of Water and the precursor to Books of Three More Elements, uh, all released on his own Creative Nation music. There are, uh, There is a previous interview with Eric on the jazz session.com. And if I can find it somewhere in my archives, I'll try to find our Alabama interview and maybe put that up for the members. But in any case, Eric, okay. it's been uh, super fun to talk to you. I'm, I'm really glad you took the time to do it. And I hope you'll come back in a lot less time than it's been since the last time.
0: Yeah, Jason, thank you so much. It was great to catch up with you. Great to chat about the music and yeah, definitely. I'm yeah. And next, uh, you know, next time I get this next
2: uh, book out, uh, let's let's reconnect. Art would not be important if life were not more important. and Life is important.
1: If you value what you just heard, become a member for 5 or $10 a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. Thanks to my guest this week, Eric Hoffbauer. Next week's show features pianist Andy Milne back on The Jazz Session just 500 short episodes after his previous appearance. Come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session.